Hello and welcome back to the best episode of Yank Your Sock, Yank Your Socks Off podcast yet. Wow, I couldn't even say it. That's how I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, this is a special podcast. Pretty soon we're going to start dropping short, shorter two episodes per week. Um, we didn't really sketch out the details yet of that, um, but I am one of your hosts, Andrew Gambardella III. Beal, do you want to tell our fans the greatest news of all time? Oh, yeah. Um, You guys have heard Rob Manfred has said the words, baseball is back for 162 games. We're not losing a single game, folks. Yep. And on top of that, there was some talk about even if – you know, it to keep 162 games, it might take some seven inning double headers. There's not a single, not one seven inning game in sight for this season. All nine inning games, the nine inning double headers to make up, uh, I believe, uh, four days of games or something like that. Uh, and then they're going to tack on three extra games at the end of the season and just kind of fill in games where they need to. Um, that, I mean, as a baseball fan, made me so happy to hear. Personally, I was tired of the seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, I, I felt like there was more baseball to be had. And uh, I'm just – I'm excited for nine-inning baseball, 162 games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I really couldn't be happier. Our opening day is April 7th. So, I mean, they're keeping us – you know, waiting for seven days, but uh, that's it. Like, I'm I'm happy with that. I, I think the way this ended up is uh, uh, honestly as good as we could have hoped for in the last couple of weeks based on how everything was going. I just saw a tweet by an MLB exec. The next three days are going to be the craziest MLB free agency. The next three days are going to be the craziest days of the MLB has ever seen with free agency. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, There's still like 20 major free agents on the market. I mean, yeah, you have the best players still on the market. Yeah, I'll just I'll name the list of free agents still out there. And as a as even a a casual baseball fan, you'll know these names: Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Freddie Freeman, just coming off of a win winning the World Series with the Braves. Nick Castellanos, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Carlos Rodon, Clayton Kershaw, Mike Conforto, Nelson Cruz, Granke, Kenley Jansen, Anthony Rizzo, Jorge Soler, and Saya Suzuki. Those are just some of the top 10, 15 names that I named. I don't know how many names I got there, um, but those are just some of the guys that are on my radar, and, and I almost couldn't. 
couldn't name all of them there. I, I, I thought I was getting carried away there. Um, I mean, I, it, it felt like the list was endless. I know it, it, it really is. It still is. I mean, there are so many guys out there. Um, I, uh, I like I, this has been put out in the world before, so it's, you know, not a really big thing to say. I assume most of these guys have been signed. Like, is it fair to make that assumption that most of these deals are done? They're just waiting the right amount of time so it doesn't look suspicious. You there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was getting sketched out. My, uh, my, my Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi just went down for a little bit, but Ooh. I'm back. Uh, that was a little blip. <laughs> in the radar a little like three four second blip so i was yeah i think i caught what you were saying you're saying that there's some tampering going on just like how the like in the nba the heat and the bulls this year they both lost second round picks mm-hmm. for their signing for their sign in trades with kyle lowry and lonzo ball respectively um yeah yeah i, uh, I think there's furry. definitely some deals done i think we were expecting to shoot this podcast after just, I think, an hour ago on the dot. MLB free agency was officially opened. Um, uh, that changed uh, because the the MLB, like, I, I guess they wanted to start it after Rob Manfred gave his press conference. And he ended up giving it at like 630. So uh, when he gave that, he announced that it would be lifted at seven o'clock. But um as of right now it's 7 32 so 32 minutes into free agency being resumed i don't expect anything happens in this hour uh but that's not to say it won't happen tonight yeah i won't be shocked if something happens overnight while while we're like getting our our beauty sleep for a day's work a friday tomorrow but honestly when i go to work tomorrow like I'm just going to have like live free agency trackers up. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep because the Yankees have so many holes. You know this. Um, The Red Sox don't have nearly as many holes. With the new new luxury tax, higher luxury tax, we have even more space to spend some money. Um, So I'm so stoked for tomorrow. Um, Doing a little, if you want to expand on like the details of the deal, I know we talked about the sticking points being that luxury tax, um, the bonus pool for the pre-arbitration players. Um, and then what was it? You want to back me up here? What was the other sticking point that they, that they were really contentious over? A uh, minimum salary of players. Yeah. Minimum MLB salary, but yeah, it, they came to a deal out of the freaking blue. I did not see this coming today. Um, I thought we were going to miss games. So I'm, I'm just ecstatic. And that's why we're doing this impromptu episode today. Also, we've been waiting to do an episode this week because Beal and I will be doing an episode for the first time in person this week. Beal's coming up to visit me. Um, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Uh, I'm stoked to see, to see my best friend. Very, very funny. I'm very excited. Yeah, wow. it's been a while. COVID's gotten in the way of some other meetings. Um, but since Pat's wedding, um, 
this past year we haven't seen each other. So it's been too long. Um, hopefully our next visit after this is a lot shorter than, than the wait for this one. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's been far too long. Um, and, uh, you know, just being able to record the podcast together. I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty cool. I think the fans will enjoy that. I think so as well. I think it'll be better because we can read each other's facial expressions. And whenever you start laughing, you have an infectious laugh and I just can't stop laughing. So I feel like a lot of our podcast is just going to be like, you know, 30 second clips of us just laughing. So, I mean, maybe people want to hear that, but maybe, you know, I think it's, you it's get all what fun. You get. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, we try to put out the best product um, that we can. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this this is an amazing excuse to talk to my best friend every week. So, um, yeah. But you want to get more into the specifics of this deal and how it yeah, all played out? Sure. Let's, let's do that. Um, so uh, the MOB and the MOB Players Association ended up agreeing on a – uh, tax of $230 million starting in the 2022 baseball season, increasing each year to end salary of, I believe, 242. It's 244 um, is that 244. last level. Oh, yeah. yeah. Their, their first proposal was 242. They upped it to mil in their last proposal. Um, so, I mean, pretty good. I, I know that the players had started higher, but that's, that's pretty middle of uh where both sides were um the uh the tax brackets have gone up uh in coordinates with uh the market the mlb market and just you know the value of the dollar um based on inflation so that's kind of what the mlb players were going after because they saw that as the MLB market was bringing in more money, they weren't getting compensated for that money. And so um, they just, they felt like that wasn't fair and wanted to adjust that. And, and making that adjustment isn't just incredible for the next five years for the MLB and the MLB Players Association, but that sets a nice precedent going forward. Um, a lot of what I've been hearing today is like, you get to these knit and gritty um debates like every 25 years of the cba say and like every couple decades like the two sides butt heads a little bit but then um it's kind of smooth sailing from there on uh in those five-year agreements like everything is pretty aligned like everyone's kind of um in agreement and um and, and then you know once the world and the market changes uh things change and things need to change um and that's what the players were hoping for. Um, this sets a precedence for the next CBA deal to follow a similar suit and uh, <clears throat> for that tax number to, to keep increasing uh, annually and um, be reflective of the market better than it had been in the past. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a win-win-win. Win for the yeah. fans, we get 162 games. Win for the players, they get all their money. And win for the owners because they get all their money too. People are going to be buying tickets going into games. Um, but, yeah, as you said, with that luxury tax, it looks like all those main sticking points with minimum salary starting at 700 and then the yep. fifth year ending at 780 going up 20 K a year. 
Mm-hmm. And then the pre-arb pool being at 50, the players wanted 100 and yeah. the owners didn't want it at all. So they met right in the middle there. So it right. seems like it it kind of balanced out. Um, yeah. So some other things, I don't know if you saw this too, but there's a draft lottery now in baseball. Yeah, six, six picks draft lottery. Yeah. Um, which, I mean – that's that's what the players were hoping for. Um, just a little bit of a deterrence from tanking. I mean, you can't control what teams do, and at the end of the day, like there's not much the MLB can do to deter um, tanking, um, other than instilling a draft lottery. And uh, and I, I mean, good for the MLB. I know the NBA has had uh, the famous 14 pick lottery for a long time now. Uh, so it's not really a new idea, but not all leagues have gone to that. And so I think it's heads up by the MLB to to try to um, discourage tanking. And uh, I, I mean, ultimately, it's the right thing to do, I think, for both sides, the players and uh, ownership. It's it, it's, you know, helpful for the game of baseball. It's helpful for kind of fighting those teams that want to go against the rules and and kind of fly under the radar and make decisions that aren't really great for the longevity of baseball and for the uh, ability of that team going forward and um, and for the livelihood of the players that play for that team. And so um, good stuff there. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's not really a downside to take away from bringing in the lottery, uh, the MOB didn't seem to be too averse to doing that. Just uh, a lot of the conversation was about how many picks. I think six is a good place to start at. And, uh, and that could expand in the next CBA deal in five years. Um, The international draft was a major sticking point that came up. Uh, Supposedly the other night, both sides had kind of gotten to the place where uh, the, the end numbers were able to be negotiated pretty easily they're both at like I don't know pretty relatively close numbers um to a point where they could meet in the middle and and have a deal but then the international draft was thrown into one of the MLB's proposals uh, as they had done throughout the process which was kind of what threw off yeah, the MLBPA throw in random stuff right at yeah, the end yeah. as they were about to come to a deal yeah right and um and the MLBPA uh reached out to tons of international players, both current players, former players. Um, there was a group chat that Ken Rosenthal, uh, Ken, the Ken Rosenthal or Jeff Passon was part of, I don't know. There, uh, I, I saw these tweets earlier and, um, and David Ortiz was asked for a comment in this group chat with a bunch of reporters. Um, and he sent a voice chat and, kind of just explained what he thought about the international draft. And just to kind of sum up his outlook was he didn't disagree with having an international draft, but wanted it to be done in the right way. Um, There's so many young players in the Dominican who, whose lives kind of revolve around baseball and uh, David Ortiz cited baseball as a way to keep younger kids off the streets. And, um and keep them doing doing things that are uh good for their livelihood and um and family and just uh you know i I mean there's there's things that uh kids go through in um other countries that 
you know, you don't necessarily see here. And so uh, keeping away from uh, those, those dangers and, and staying in a sport like baseball are really important for these 12, 13 year olds growing up. Um, and he's worried that a draft would be seen as a surprise to these families and kind of deter kids from, from wanting to play baseball and, and going that route. The draft works so well in, uh, in our, in the United States, because kids grow up playing organized baseball and it's, it's very easy to see the process to, and to understand what you need to do to become known, uh, for the draft and, uh, to be able to play in front of scouts. But that background and that education isn't readily available in countries like the Dominican. And so David Ortiz was really just pushing for the ability to help educate and help start this program and get more organized baseball going so that, um, it's, it's really clear the benefits that the draft could provide and, and really just wanted, um, the former and current international players to kind of run that process and oversee it because uh, they know best what it's like growing up in a, uh, a country like the Dominican. And so, um, so I think those are really great points and that's why the MOBPA was so hesitant to, to go forward with it because they just wanted time to make sure it was done correctly based on the feedback that they had received from the players and the MOB just wanted to throw it in, and get it done and do it. And that was really concerning to the players, which I mean, rightfully so. And that kind of created uh, a lull in the negotiations. And, and fortunately, they're able to come to an agreement today to, to push that um, international draft uh, decision back to July, I believe July 31st or something. It's July 25th. I just pulled that up as, as you were going on your plugging David Ortiz yeah. No, it, I mean, it's good. It's good information because a lot of great players now all over the league are from, you know, from overseas, like overseas or over, you know, over the Gulf and, and down in the Caribbean. And they come from all over the world to right. come play in the best baseball league there is in the world. Um, so we mentioned Sai Suzuki earlier. Um, so, like, I don't know how this international draft is going to work if it's because there's different, you know, there's different ways. I think the Caribbean, when players sign, it's a lot different from when players in Asia sign because they have different baseball seasons. And it seems like players in the Caribbean get signed a lot younger um, as prospects and, and come over here, whereas guys um, in Japan, or Korea play a lot through their seasons and they don't come over until like they're in their prime. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. just and so, yeah. So I, I think I need to look this up because I, I don't know for sure. I, my understanding is that the international player draft is an international amateur player draft. So I believe that Players like oh, Tyus, okay. you might still come over via free agency. I don't know that for oh, sure, okay. but I would. And Shohei Otani and yeah, that right. that would make yeah. that would make sense because they would because they wouldn't get the same contracts that they would as a in the draft. Obviously, they wouldn't get paid nearly as much in right. an international draft. But also, they cut the 
the amateur draft is now 20 rounds instead of, I think it was 40 before this. Um, that's just like yeah. another side note. Um, but universal DH, as we've mentioned before, uh, I love it. I mean, it's just like, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's nothing to th- dislike about it. I, I think it's been a long time coming and it was kind of a shoe in part of the deal. Um, most people saw that coming, um, but I'm happy to see it. it. It's, it's been talked about for so long. I've been looking forward to when they were going to bring it in. And it, it feels kind of like, although it's been around for so long, it feels kind of sudden because like, we've talked about this for like such a long time that you kind of like forget about it. It's just in the back of your head. And it's like, oh yeah, the universal DH thing is like, oh, we're going to do that this year. Like that's going to be the rule change that you put in in 2022. Um, and like, I'm all for it, but it's just like, it's kind of come as a shock to me. Cause we're like, what, not even a month out of opening day. And they're like, oh yeah. Um, every team, uh, your lineup's going to look a little bit different this year for the NL. So it's just like, it's a little bit interesting to me, but, uh, but I love it. There's nothing to, to not like about that. I don't think. Oh no, I, I, I don't think so either. Universal bring, DH brings another job, and pitchers can't hide now. Um, they just can't. Like, where where are they supposed to hide? I, I, right. Like, like I think some pitchers just go to the NL just to say, like, as they get older, it's like, oh well, at least I have one automatic out at the end of the. It's more for starters. Um, at the end of a lineup where the pitcher is. Um, but I am going to miss seeing like uh, Bumgardner or the Kershaws at the, at the plate and absolutely taking like daddy hacks and, and, you know, they're not used to it, but some, when they connect or when, oh, when Bartolo Cologne hit his home run in San Diego five years ago or six, whenever it was, that was one of the greatest moments of that entire year. So we're losing out on that, but I think it is best for the game of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm playoffs you. were expanded to 12 teams. I don't know if you saw that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just adding another team to each side. Um, there are now wild card series where the three seed takes on the six seed and the four seed plays the five and the one and two seeds wait while those teams are determined. Um, so it adds more money, more revenue, more games into the playoffs. Will baseball go into December this year? I don't, I don't know. Will we have our first Mr. December? Maybe. <sighs> Maybe. And yeah. With uh, Reggie Jackson being Mr. October and, and Derek Jeter being Mr. November. If the season does go into December, for Don't forget the first about time Senor in October. Who? Senor October. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Big Poppy, Senor October. Hand salute. Uh, yeah. Congrats on, again, on your first ballot Hall of Fame that you definitely should not have gotten. But, anyways, um, especially with your Royd concerns. But let's move on. Um, what do you mean move back- on? It's such <laughs> bullshit. Well, you plugged him earlier. I, I can't 
I mean, we're getting sidetracked here. And I, yeah, I took a meaningless shot at a little side gut punch. I've come to the realization that he does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And with all players, I'm going to start taking the stance of why make them wait. Because, you know, while they're here, while they can celebrate it, let them celebrate it for as long as possible. So I think the earlier they get in, the better. If they're not going to get in, they're not going to get in. Um, yeah. So congratulations, David Ortiz. I apologize to you, Beal, and to David um, for those, excuse me, Senor October for, for that gut punch there. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm not going to say the word but because then nothing I said previous to that will matter. But I will say, however, I still am under the opinion that he should not have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But we already talked about that. And, yeah, that that's about it with the league. And in 2023, they're expanding the bases. They are implementing a 14-second pitch clock and banning defensive shifts. Um, that should be fun. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, you imagine I, if Ortiz played in a league with no defensive shift. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys, <laughs> as they ate, like Barry Bonds in a league with no shifts, even way back then when they used to move all to the right side for him. Um, even guys like A-Rod older in his career when they used to shift a lot to the left side, like these big power pull hitters. Um, like, honestly, I could argue that like Jason Giambi could arguably be the best player of all time. If there was no shifts, like there's, there's these guys like Prince Fielder. Oh my God. Yeah. You can get him out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but we won't have to worry about it this year. The bigger bases is fine. It leads to less injuries and it leads to more stolen bases and guys just like slipping off bases and being tagged out. Um, yeah. And then the last, that last rule of, uh, why the hell am I blanking on this right now? Um, I think it's the least, you're just going to let me struggle here. Are you you going to help me out? I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about. The last rule. We got so the expanded got bases, yeah. banning the shift. Oh, the pitch clock. Yeah, there we, we already go. said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said it. I was just trying to re-remember it there. Oh, this is this is amazing podcasting right here. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you can see how our – well, my short-term memory loss is already coming on in, at the age of 23 great sign for the future. Um, yeah, but pitch clock just to speed up the game. It is a slower game. And I think that the banning the defensive shift will add more action, bigger bases, more stolen bases. It just adds more action to a game that has a lot of strikeouts and a lot of home runs as it is. Um, so it gets back to more of like putting the ball in play really matters. Um, yeah. So that that sums up everything um, with MLB. We'll be back for another episode to talk about all that's happened, especially in the NFL 
college basketball conference tournaments are coming up. NBA still going on NHL. Uh, I brought my girlfriend to her first hockey game ever. Um, and we'll talk about that next episode. Beal, is there anything you wanted to touch on this lockout ending and being a breakout now it's the MLB breakout from the lockout. Um, yeah, I, uh, I did have one more thing to add that was kind of okay. interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, we didn't talk much about it, but the pre-arbitration bonus pool at $50 million, um, it has interesting stipulations. Uh, basically, like, you know, these players uh, that are pre-arbitration before they can negotiate how much money they think they deserve on an annual basis, Um they're they're being paid a designated salary by the league, which is uh, the minimum salary. And so these are usually players who might come up and play very well, like a Wander Franco. Um, Wander ended up signing signing a contract, so it won't apply to him. Um, but if if there were a player like Wander who came up and was playing at an MVP like level and still hadn't signed a contract because the team doesn't need to sign him to a contract because they have 10 years of control over him, including arbitration. Uh, so there's a lot of teams that won't offer contracts like the Rays did with Wander. Um, that player will end up just being paid the minimum salary regardless of how well he plays. And so the, the pre-arbitration bonus pool kind of alleviates uh, the – the pain of that for younger players and helps to compensate players for, for good play, even before they hit arbitration. Um, the interesting part of that is it's based solely on the MOB awards. So if you win MVP or Cy Young, you get $2.5 million of that bonus pool. If you win rookie of the year, there's something similar. I think it was like one and a half million of that bonus pool. And so you're being compensated for, performing well playing the whole season uh and ultimately winning an award um and then there's like second place gets however much third place in the mvp gets however much if it's a pre-arbitration player the the interesting component of that is that mlb writers vote for mlb uh, for mvp cy young rookie of the year uh every single one of the awards and so this player isn't really being compensated for their play. They're being compensated for where they ended up finishing in MVP Cy Young rookie year. Um, and so, I mean, it does directly correlate, but also doesn't. Um, MOB writers have been known to have a little bit of bias when it comes to voting, um, especially in the Hall of Fame ballot. There's been previous MVP and Cy Young biases uh, based on how they're treated by the player in post-game interviews. Um, it's kind of one of the darker sides of baseball that the MLB writers kind of have so much control. Some guys are great. Some guys vote purely on stats and what they see and, um, and report what they see. And, uh, but there are people out there that kind of vote in a stubborn way. And if they don't like a player, they won't vote for him. Um, Pedro Martinez would have won Cy Young in, I believe it was 2003, uh, but he ended up losing because one writer left him off of his ballot entirely. And when you're voting for when, I don't know, I think like 15 
pitchers end up on the Cy Young ballot. And when you vote for that many people over Pedro Martinez, when he comes second place in the Cy Young and would have gotten first if you voted him uh, as a top three pitcher, I mean, obviously there's bias involved in that. You don't just leave him out of your top 15 if he ends up as the number two in the Cy Young. And so, I mean, while it doesn't happen often and the MLB is trying to track down uh, on those writers who use their vote uh, in a stubborn way, um, it does happen. And so, with with a greater amount of money tied to these votes, um, certain writers might feel compelled to vote against somebody because they don't want them being paid that much or they don't like the player and they don't like how the player treated them. Um, and that's kind of a little bit scary to me as a fan and I feel like might get swept under the rug like some of the previous occurrences um, in MOB writers voting have gone. And uh, and I just kind of want to put that out there in the world because it is a stipulation that kind of concerned me. Uh, not enough to not make a deal over it, but it's just kind of weird the way that that uh, pre-arbitration bonus pool is being allocated and that the players in the MLB don't actually have anything to do with the way it's allocated. Yeah. I, I did not know most, most of that. So thank you. Thank you for, for that. And I, I hope everybody who's listening um, stayed through that because that, yeah, that was very helpful to me on explaining um, on explaining that and how pre-arbitration worked. And while you were doing that, I looked at a, Nate, a guy on our roster who I was shocked that was still in pre-arbitration. Nestor Cortez is still on pre-arbitration. Like, not that he we'll get into that bonus pool, but I mean, the season he had this past year to be only paid a minimum salary for doing that kind of job for the Yankees. Um, if he can produce that again, I think he'll get a chunk of that money. So it's, it's definitely huge. And I like it. It's rewarding for, for those younger players. And they feel like that they're not just, you know, they're not just being taken advantage of, um, as those younger players, because some of these MLB contracts, um, the way they have been over the years are a lot more. I don't think they're as, um, as public, like, as no, like, I didn't really know how the contract, uh, contract situation worked until you kind of explained it to me, um, a couple years back. Um, but it's a lot more like convoluted than, than the NL NFL or the NBA or the other big leagues around where it's kind of, it's very set in stone. There's no, I, I don't think there's another arbitration in, in any league, any yeah, other professional yeah, sports none. league. So yeah, pre, and then we have a pre-arbitration and an arbitration, but yeah. Um, also one last thing that we've, that I forgot to mention. Um, we can talk about how the voting played out. Um, you were telling me right before the show that, each of the 30 teams has a player representative on the player side. So the players had to agree to the deal. They needed 20 votes. They had 38 representatives, 31 from each team. So that being 30 and another eight was an executive subcommittee um, for like experienced players that were basically like the heads of the MLBPA. All eight of those subcommittee executive subcommittee voted against this deal 
because they wanted a higher luxury tax even still. Um, they thought it was still too low. Um, and only four of player reps from the player teams, and that was like a team decision based on the roster from what you were telling me, um, players from the Mets, Yankees, Astros, and Cardinals said no to this deal. So it was 26 votes yes to 12 votes no. And the deal passed. All 30 owners agreed to the deal. Um, so the, the deal is passed with flying colors with only that international draft slash no draft conversation still open till July 25th. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that speaks volumes about the voices that were heard today ultimately came down to those 1200 players involved in the MOBPA rather than uh, the eight members sitting at the top. And I mean, that's how it should be. It's a, it came down to more of a popular vote and I I think that's well appreciated. The players clearly wanted to play um, and were kind of done with this process and had realized that they were, uh, you know, the MOB was willing to, to hear what they wanted. And, um, and Tony Clark, the the representative from the MLB Players Association, uh, released a statement that uh, was very positive and just said that he really likes the direction um, that the CBA has kind of set for the MLB and the MOBPA. And so, um, I, I mean, all good things coming out of it. Uh, I, you know, there's certain ways to think about the the eight votes that went no right off the bat from the executive positions in the players association but without diving in too far into that and what might have caused those answers to be no i think we should just applaud the fact that you know the voices that were heard were the players thank you thank you to the players thank you to the owners even thank you manfred manfred in a in a message in his release his statement release he apologized to the fans, but said, here we go. We got 162 games. So I think although he, we widely say that he is not great at his job versus other commissioners in other professional leagues, he did get this done. We're not missing any games. Thank you to everybody. Um, as, a, as a diehard Yankees fan, as a diehard baseball fan, thank you for bringing baseball back. Um, and just as a lesson for the week, uh, before I sign off, um, no matter how many disagreements you have or how much distrust, dislike you have in another party, the owners and players here came to an agreement. Um, we can all find common ground. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we love you all. Um, that's just something you can take to your everyday life life or just thoughts into the world. But um, yeah, now that I just said that, I, I, I got to live by it. So um, not that I haven't been, but I had, I just kind of just threw that out there because um, I thought it was a good segue. This is a great um, anecdote. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. I, um, I appreciate that. We can cut hyping ourselves up if we if we want to here at the end. But <laughs> as always, have enjoy your sunrises, your sunsets, those mountains, lakes, oceans, anything wherever you're at. 
whatever time of day it is, night, brunch, lunner, whatever you're enjoying, whatever you're doing right now. Thank you for tuning in. We love you all. Have a great week. Um, Beal, I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. Um, by the time this airs, it'll probably be today. Um, <laughs> when I see you, um, but I can't wait to see you. This has been a great episode, a great impromptu episode. Baseball is back. Yep. Yep. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, just, uh, leave you guys off with uh, a good word of advice. Fall asleep and dream about Rafi bombs tonight, because that's what you're going to be seeing all MOB season is Rafi hitting dingers. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.